0: informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him.
1: Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time.
2: And welcome to Catholic Drive Time, this is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, November 21st, 2023, the Feast of St. Edmund, King and Martyr. And I'm going to do something a little special for you. We're going to play some music and we're do a little bit of an audio drama for the saint of the day today and tell me what you think. Let's play that music. In the grandeur of the royal court, the air was thick with anticipation. Trumpets heralded the young Edmund. A prince destined for a unique journey As his father, the pious king, abdicated the throne, a solemn hush fell over the court. The father embarked on a pilgrimage to Rome, leaving behind the crown for his son. Edmund, at the age of 15, now bore the weight of a kingdom on his shoulders. Edmund, a beacon of virtue and energy, took the reins of his kingdom with determination His rule was marked by justice, goodness, and foresight. He sensed the looming danger of the Scandinavians, especially the formidable Vikings. The kingdom's landscape transformed into a training ground. The clashing of swords and the thunder of war drums echoing through the air. Edmund, with an unwavering gaze, prepared his people for the storm that brewed on the horizon. The Vikings, known as the seafaring adventurers, were the terror of the seas. Their longboats, adorned with ornate bows, symbolized the courage and audacity that marked their raids. The Vikings descended like a storm upon East Anglia. The battlefield became a symphony of chaos, swords clashing and arrows whistling through the air. Edmund, the warrior king, led his troops with unparalleled bravery. Despite a glorious defense, the relentless Vikings, reinforced by other aggressors, overwhelmed the valiant defenders. Edmund, now a captive, stood defiant, laden with chains before the formidable Danish chieftain Hingar. St. Edmund's refusal to accept compromising terms showcased his profound understanding of the intricate link between politics and religion. His captors, sensing victory, tightened their grip on their illustrious prisoner. The dreadful day of reckoning arrived on November 20th, 870. The once-proud King Edmund, now a captive at the hands of the ruthless Vikings, faced the harrowing cruelty of his captors. The dim light of a waning sun cast long shadows across the desolate landscape. King Edmund, battered and tortured, stood resolute against the biting wind. His tattered royal robe stained with the markings of his valiant defense, fluttering in the chilling breeze. Chains clanked around his weakened form, a stark contrast to the once majestic ruler who had led his people with unwavering determination. Muffled cries... Saying, Strengthen me, O lady, echoed through the air as Edmund, a symbol of unwavering faith, prepared to face the final trial. The atmosphere was thick with tension, as the captors, their faces obscured by the shadows of their cruel intent, closed in around the king. The air was pregnant with the weight of impending doom. The order was given with a cold detachment that bespoke the heartlessness of the act, In the chilling moment, the world held its breath, and with a swift stroke, the blade descended, severing the connection between a kingdom and its sovereign. In the aftermath of that gruesome climax, a silence fell upon the battlefield. The wind carried the whispered lamentations of a kingdom mourning its fallen leader, while the angels rejoiced in its new citizen. King Edmund's lifeblood stained the earth, a sacrifice for a higher purpose. His severed head, once adorned with a crown of authority, now lay discarded, a haunting symbol of the brutality inflicted upon a noble soul. So what do we pray for on this feast of Saint Edmund, King, and Martyr? We pray that he invoke Our Lady, that is that I would kneel and pray to St. Edmund and allow his spirit to guide our leaders in the church and in the state in in them a dedication to the true cause, a courage to defend the Catholic Church. May he grant us the unwavering determination to be faithful to our vocation, even until death. St. Edmund, King and Martyr, pray, pray for, for us. us. And joining us right
3: now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Wow. How can I just come in after such an epic intro? Uh, What an awesome saint. (sighs) If only we had that courage. I think we can with the grace of God. Let's ask for that. Yeah,
2: I think so. I think we all can have that grace if we just pray to Our Lady to strengthen us. Our Lady will grant us the grace necessary to fulfill the necessar- necessary situations mm-hmm. that we find ourselves in. Amen. Because uh, I mean if it's up to me. I don't know if I
3: can endure torture <laughs>
2: and imprisonment <laughs> like that. Like, oh my goodness. That would be a, a no go for me and I'll sit on the sidelines.
3: Well I hope we get put in the same camp together.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll be in the I'll be like we'll uh, notes each to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh praise be to God. Uh, you know, I was thinking what if we just like didn't cover the news today and just talked about like Thanksgiving and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but instead, I'm not going to do that. Just kidding. At 15 past the hour, we're going to talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, what? what's this about Taylor Swift? Well, she went to, uh, to Brazil and a lot of concerning things going on with Taylor Swift in Brazil. I was like, yikes. So... We'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Gabriel Castillo with Gabi After Hours is on with us to talk about Peterson's conversion to the Catholic faith. Yeah, yeah. Peterson finally converted to the Catholic faith. Or one might say reverted, I think. Uh We'll talk about that coming up at 30 past the hour. Coming up in the next hour, Adam Bly with The Spirit World will be joining us. We'll be talking to him about the spirit world coming up in this in the next hour. Plus, our Fear and trembling game show, that's coming up as well. We're going to be giving away prizes. And here's a pro tip for you. You're going to want to call in this week. Why? Because we only have the game show Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. That means the chances of you winning is even higher. So you're going to want to call in this week. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're going to be praying in thanksgiving for all the good things that has happened in our lives and in your life. We're praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for. We pray for the healing of my grandfather. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. O Lord, who art ever merciful and bounteous with thy gifts, look down upon the suffering souls in purgatory. Remember not their offenses and negligences, but be mindful of thy loving mercy, which is from all eternity. Cleanse them of their sins and fulfill their ardent desires, that they may be made worthy to behold thee face to face in thy glory. May they soon be united with thee and hear those blessed words, which will call them to their heavenly home. Come, blessed of my Father, take possession of the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today. For all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home, and within my family. Amen. In the name of the
3: Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your Headline News with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. 10,000 African seminarians have been trained to counter Western-backed abortion campaigns. Here's a little bit of good news to start the day. Human Life International, a U.S.-based Catholic pro-life organization, is making strides in training uh, African uh, seminarians to combat rising abortion rates in sub-Saharan Africa. The organization has reached over 10,000 seminarians in 20 years, focusing on countries like Benin, Burkina Faso, and the Ivory Coast. Despite a doubling of sub-Saharan Africa's abortion rates from 1995 to 2020, Human Life International is actively working to reduce it through education, pregnancy support, and advocacy. Trained priests are using their knowledge to impart Catholic doctrine on life issues and counter the influence of abortion-promoting organizations from the West. And two dozen premature babies were evacuated from Gaza as Al-Shifa Hospital remains under siege. Here's a, a story that makes you reflect on some of the casualties of war that you don't hear about. Heart-wrenching footage captured the evacuation of premature babies from Gaza's largest hospital to Egypt after Israeli forces seized the medical center searching for Hamas's underground tunnels. In a video, medical staff transfer vulnerable infants from ambulances to mobile incubators navigating a perilous journey across the Egyptian border. These babies born in Al-Shifa Hospital face dire conditions due to power outages and were evacuated to stabilize in Rafah, where they're fighting serious infections, reflecting the challenges for newborns in Gaza's war zone. And finally, Bayer to pay $1.56 billion in the most recent trial over Roundup weed killer, causing cancer and other injuries. If you're using Roundup, uh, here's a story that might concern you. Bayer faces heightened investor pressure as a Missouri jury awards $1.56 billion to four plaintiffs who claimed injuries, including cancer, from their Roundup weed killer. The jury held Bayer's Monsanto responsible for negligence and design flaws. Three plaintiffs received $6.1 million with $500 million in punitive damages. The ruling, part of 165,000 lawsuits, challenges Bayer, which paid $10.9 billion already to settle most Roundup claims in 2020, with around 50,000 remaining. Those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more.
2: The Gospel of the Day comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Now, we're only going to focus in on just one verse, but this is the story of Zacchaeus, where you remember Zacchaeus I mean, coming up onto the tree to see our Lord passing by. One thing that's interesting before we go on to actually the commentary, because Cornelius Lapide made his passing comment that I thought was surprising to me, to, to be honest, because we know Zacchaeus was a man of short stature, right? Well, Cornelius Lapide actually says that he was a dwarf. And I was like, wait, what? Did that' is something I never heard anybody say before, so I think that's interesting now what we're going to comment on is verse eight here, verse eight says, But Zacchaeus standing said to the Lord,Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have wronged any man of anything, I restore him fourfold. Now here Zacchaeus is repenting, and so what happens? Cornelius Lapide here says, We cannot doubt that Christ, as soon as he entered the house of Zacchaeus "...began according to his custom to teach and exhort both Zacchaeus himself and those of his household to faith and repentance. And if they repented to promise them grace, righteousness, and salvation, he would also urge them contempt of riches and the world, and the acceptance of poverty and evangelical perfection." by following him and giving their goods to the poor, that they might receive treasure in heaven and a hundredfold in this life. St. Luke, for the sake of brevity, says nothing of this, but we know this from the the other times that he has encountered other people. Now, what is important to note about this? Many people will try to cite this situation or others like it to say, hey, look, Christ ate with a tax collector. He ate with the prostitute. He ate with sinners. So, therefore, we have to accept everybody. And this is not the case. This is simply not the case. Because what does our Lord do when he goes to eat with a sinner? He calls them to faith and repentance. So, I ask whenever somebody says that to me, are you, when you eat with these sinners, calling them to faith and repentance? Or are you confirming them in their sin? Or you give them approval by silence, because that would be a sin of omission. Our Lord never gave the impression that he approved of anyone's sin. He always, always called people to faith and repentance. And we know this to be true, because what happens? Zacchaeus repents and gives half of his goods to the poor and restored anyone he wronged fourfold. So let's imitate our Lord. Let's imitate Zacchaeus in
4: repentance. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, we should not blame people for whatever bad things they may sometimes do. We should not judge them for their faults. We should be kind and merciful. Well, of course we should be kind and merciful. However, It is not merciful to say that we should not blame them for the sins they commit. As G.K. Chesterton says, blame is actually a compliment. It is a compliment because it is an appeal to a man's soul. When we call a man a coward, we are in so doing asking him how he can be a coward when he could be a hero. When we rebuke a man for being a sinner, we imply that he has the potential of being a saint. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, Chesterton.org
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be with you today. You no, know, there were there was a story that I saw the other day. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm not a big fan. Zero, no comprende. And I was starting to look at it, and I was like, okay, let's talk about this. And I pulled it up this morning, and there was a further development to the story. And I was kind of surprised by what the result what I saw. So are you familiar with Taylor Swift? Do you know who Taylor Swift is? Because I was a fan of Taylor Swift back whenever she was still into country music. Back whenever I was, I think I was like, I don't know, 13 in middle school, somewhere around there. When I was in middle school-ish, when she was still doing country music, I liked Taylor Swift. I was like, yeah, Taylor Swift, she's pretty good. I enjoy her music. And then she switched over to pop, and I was like, eh, not a big fan. And ever since then, I kind of just ignored her. And I recently realized that people are, like over the last year or two... I've realized people are absolutely obsessed with Taylor Swift. Absolutely obsessed with her. And this came to a pass when I saw this story. Rio de Janeiro's mayor, Eduardo Baez, has controversially projected a Taylor Swift-inspired display on the iconic Christ the Redeemer statue as a gesture to, quote, honor her presence. End quote. Swift fans' requests were granted, illuminating the statue with a welcome to Brazil message and the names of Brazilian states, influenced by Swift's Junior Jewels t shirt. País acknowledging Swift's influence as the quote, Michael Jackson of modern times, end quote. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. Michael Jackson's kind of de- a degenerate. Shared the news on social media. Father Omar. Raposo, overseeing the projection, conditionally agreed to the gesture if 20,000 units of panetone and water were donated for the vulnerable. The move has sparked criticism for using a sacred symbol for secular purposes, highlighting the societal erosion of sacredness. Despite backlash, social media reactions largely favor the Swifty display, emphasizing the quasi-worshipful treatment of celebrities. The Christ statue has previously been utilized by various projections, touching on cultural and social themes. So this is bad. We should not be treating holy things in this way. We just shouldn't do it. It's not appropriate. So this is overall a majorly negative thing. And I think it's something that we have to be aware of because... We can see Brazil, which is one of the most, or supposed to be, one of the most Catholic countries in the world. And they are projecting Taylor Swift onto the image of Christ the Redeemer. This is insane. This is insanity. How could that be okay? This treatment of celebrities is just gone too far. It's gone far, way too far. The worshipful nature that we treat celebrities, especially Taylor Swift. I don't understand the worship of Taylor Swift. And I was going to talk about this in the context of, of sacrilege, of this image of our, of our Lord. But then when I went to go look up the story to get the details on it, <laughs> more things came out. And I was like, oh, man, this is even um, worse than I thought. And so what happened? Well, apparently some people actually died. And where the way they died was something that was kind of crazy. So... Taylor Swift's Eras tour, that's the tour she's doing right now, encountered tragedy and difficulties during a three-day stint in Rio de Janeiro, overshadowing the warm welcome projected on the Christ the Redeemer statue. Okay, so that's what we just talked about. A fan's death in the sweltering heat at Friday night show and a fatal stabbing on Sunday morning marred the otherwise, quote, triumphant tour. Swift's decision to postpone Saturday's show due to extreme temperatures disappointed thousands of fans who had already braved the heat. Anna DeMato, a psychologist from Sao Paulo, shared her devastation, having waited, quote, 17 years to fulfill her dream of seeing Swift. She expressed the emotional toll of canceled plans and personal challenges. Now, notice this is a psychologist who is a grown woman obsessed with Taylor Swift saying that she's been waiting 17 years to fulfill her dream of seeing Taylor Swift and says it's going to have an emotional toll on her that she didn't get to see her. That is very strange. It's very weird. Julia Alvarenga, a social media influencer conveyed the frustration of fans who endured the heat buying water and fans only to face disappointment. Gabriela Werner, a marketing analyst blamed the Brazilian company time for fun. For the tour's mismanagement, And many fans echoed similar sentiments. I also noticed this. Many, many people defended Taylor Swift and refused to blame her and called her a victim of these other groups. Of the groups like the company Time for Fun, of the uh, managers, of all these things. And no one wants to blame Taylor Swift. It's kind of weird. Now, the thing about this is they treat her like a messiah figure. People waiting in lines. People traveling hundreds of miles across Brazil to go see her. People don't do this for anything else. And they always make excuses for any bad things she does. She makes it her brand to start dating men and to break up with them and write songs about them. You have to realize she's not 16. She's not 18 years old anymore. She is... 35 years old, she's a decade older than I am, and so she's 35 years old, and I'm thinking, how on earth are we treating her as if she's a child? It's a very, very strange thing. It's also kind of strange that you would treat someone of her, mm, we'll say, of her age, and... Her style, which is very normal, she's not not that strange. Not like a Lady Gaga type. She's overall, she has the exterior signs of being normal, right? So, why is she so popular? I think it's because people crave normalcy, they crave something that's not so strange. And so, Taylor Swift kind of presents herself as someone who is less weird, as more normal, as just a teenage girl. And so people flock to her. They kind of see themselves as this kind of um, teenage angst that they missed whenever they were kids or maybe reliving their young days, this, this worshiping of youth. And I think that's why Taylor Swift has become so popular. And I think it's something that we have to be wary of because we don't, we don't want to worship being young. We don't want to worship youthfulness it's this whole movement of uh, transhumanism we've talked about in the past. Of we wanting to abandon natural processes. We want to live forever. We want to be young forever. And they treat Taylor Swift in this way. They worship her youthfulness. And it's pretty crazy. Taylor Swift fans are are insane. They defend her no matter what she does. Which I'm like, can I get some of that? I'd like people to defend me no matter what I do and say. That'd be great. Uh, But nonetheless, they treat her this way. And I think it's interesting to bring this up today because what is the feast that we celebrate today? November 21st is the feast of the presentation of Our Lady at the temple. It's the feast of the presentation of Our Lady at the temple and Our Lady as a child when she was just a little girl. There's debate about how old she was. Some say as young as three. She was presented at the temple to be raised there in the temple. Our lady who is perfect innocence. Perfect purity. Who grew in such love. She is the one that we should look to. To think of when we say a symbol of purity. A symbol of innocence. A symbol of youthfulness. That would be our lady. And it's interesting because the feast of the presentation of our lady of the temple it didn't become a thing until 1374 when King Charles V introduced the feast at the Royal Chapel in Paris. In fact, he sent out a letter to his entire kingdom and he said, Charles, by the grace of God, King of France to our dearly beloved, health in him who ceases not to honor his mother on earth. That's how he opens his letter to his people. The people who despise monarchy so much we had such great kings and he's not a saint king either. He was just a good king. And so what do we think of when we think about Our Lady on the feast of the presentation of how she was presented at the temple, handed over to live for a long period as a virgin consecrated to the temple? What do we know about her mentality there? Our Lady, when she was in the temple, having the most perfect mind. Having the most perfect relationship with God. What was her relationship? What did she ask for? Did she ask for fame? Ask for power? Ask to be adored? To be loved by everybody? That everybody recognize her holiness? Is that what she asked for? To have adoring fans flock to see her? To perform in front of hundreds? To have her name lit up? No. She didn't ask for any of that. In fact, Our Lady, with her quasi-infinite wisdom, what did she ask for? She asked to be the handmaiden of the Mother of God. She knew that the Mother of God was alive today in her time. She knew that Christ was to be born very soon. And so she asked God, she prayed to God that God would grant her the grace to be the handmaiden, to be the servant of the mother of God, not knowing because of her most perfect humility, not knowing that she was the one that was to be the son, the mother of Christ, to bear the son of God. She did not know that because of her humility. So what should we ask for? On the grace, what what grace should we ask for from Our Lady on this day, from God on this day? Well, let's not have our heads uh, blown up, wanting to be famous, wanting to have our name lit up in the skies. We should ask for spiritual help to be better prepared to serve God as Our Lady did. But the best way to serve God is to serve Our Lady Herself. So on this feast day, we should represent ourselves before our lady, asking her to receive our offer of service and to give us her assistance in the task of our sanctification, just as the Holy Ghost helped her at the temple of Jerusalem. So let's ask for this grace today. Let's make our lady our model and our advocate rather than Taylor Swift. How about that? Let's put up a picture of our lady and not Taylor Swift in her home today. We'll be right back with Gobby After
0: Hour right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic Evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. That is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back
3: to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Here's a really funny story. Kind of not funny. Kind of concerning, actually, if you're in this situation. A priest delivers twin babies outside of a cathedral in Washington State. In a surprising turn of events, Father Jesus Mariscal... A young priest in Yakima, Washington found himself aiding a distressed homeless woman giving birth near his church. Responding to her urgent cries for help, he called 911 and assisted in delivering not one, but two premature baby boys on the cathedral grounds. Facing unexpected challenges, including an infant in the amniotic sac, father's quick thinking and perseverance led to the successful delivery of the two boys. Mariscal later texted a couple he was supposed to meet for marriage preparation, saying, I'm really sorry I'm late for our appointment. I was just helping a lady deliver twins. To which they responded, LOL, father, you didn't have to lie. <laughs> and finally, left wing group caught framing X as racist. New reports show that left wing activist group Media Matters for America, aka Media Matters, likely gamed the algorithm of X formerly Twitter. In an effort to frame the company as racist, Media Matters last week accused X of placing ads with white nationalist accounts. X CEO Elon Musk is now taking legal action against the group's fraudulent accusations. And those are all your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time.
2: Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. I pray that I never have to deliver twins. (laughs) or just deliver a baby in general. That would just be crazy. If I'm put in
3: that situation, I have no idea what I would do. Well, it's not as bad as you think. Yeah. It's not as bad as you think for you, for the person, the woman delivering. It's uh, (laughs) like very painful, but I'm sure it'd be painful for her. (laughs) But geez, I'm just like,
2: if I'm just like walking by and I'm like, have to be thrown into the situation. I'd be like, I don't know what to do.
3: It's pretty simple, man. Baby comes out. You catch the baby. That's it. Yeah. Okay, if you say so. It is kind of scary, though. I'm going to be honest. I'm gonna.
2: I <laughs> probably have a heart attack. I was, you know, at Trent Horn, and he had to deliver his child oh. at his house because uh, I forgot what happened. Something happened. He was not able to get to the hospital he Too had to late. deliver his child at the at his house. And I'm like, oh, please, God, never allow this happen to me,
3: please. <laughs> I just did not. I don't know what that I would. Almost do. happened to us with our our most recent. Really? Movie. Yeah. Oh, man. But the midwives were there. Thanks be to God. I'll be like, I'll be like, honey, just hold it. <laughs> okay. Anyway,
2: so praise be God. I'm glad that priest was able to do that because um, I don't know if I would be able to, by the grace of our lady, maybe. Speaking of the grace of Our Lady, joining us right now is Gabriel Castillo with Gabi After Hours or Gabi After Hours. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, Good morning to you, Mr. Castillo. Thanks
6: for having me in, bro. I love your new setup. Praise be to God. Praise be to God.
2: We're we're working on it. So I think I like it uh, so far. We're going to have a lot more to grow. So praise be to God. Keep it up. Now, Mr. Castillo, you had a really interesting situation uh, come up recently. And. You were you were teasing out this project you're working on. I was like,
6: "What did you think I was this? overhyping, it? I, it? over-hyping yeah. it?" I thought you were overhyping it. I thought <laughs> you were overhyping it. You you uh, exaggerate a lot. I am the hype beast, as the kids <laughs> say these days. So I was even worried. I was like, "Maybe I'm over." Like I thought it was huge, but I was hyping it up hard. You like, were sending pictures of empty chairs. Yeah, and, yeah. I was like, what
2: is this project? I was yeah. like, I want to ask him, but also I want to be surprised. Yes. And sure enough, I, would have told I was you. surprised. I would have
6: told you. You're an insider. I would have told you. Well, I would have you made God. you swear. an oath of secrecy. Yeah.
2: Well, I was super surprised because it ended up being an interview with the Petersons. Yes. Um, and for those who don't know, I mean, we're talking about Jordan Peterson and his wife. Um, and I was really surprised by this because, I mean. I was surprised by it. They're pretty Difficult people to get a hold of. Very hard. So
6: let's start from the beginning. How on earth did you get connected with this project? Uh, It's 100% the Virgin Mary, and now I realize Saint Jose Maria Scriva. So at our church, we have uh, two shrines, one to St. Maximilian Kolbe, one to St. Jose Maria. And I was working on a project to St. Maximilian Kolbe. And so I'd go to his relics every single day, like praying to him, give me guidance, etc. And every day, I would walk, literally walk right past Jose Maria, wouldn't look at him, <laughs> wouldn't glance at him. And he's been in our church. So Maximilian Kolbe's shrine is relatively new. Jose Maria has been there since I've been there long time. And I'm just like, you know, totally ghosting him. <laughs> yeah, personally, never had a devotion to Jose Maria Escriva, yeah. don't know much about him. Right. Only thing I know about him is he's the founder of Opus Dei, that's and it. Every time, like, and so one day, and every time after that, every, I walked past him and he, like, I felt like he scolded me. It was like an interior voice. It wasn't like I like saw a picture of him or he came alive or anything. But he, I, I walked past and he's like, you're very rude. I said, excuse me? He says, you walk past me every single day and don't even say hello. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go and sit in front of this guy's relics and a statue. And so I, I, I sat there, I did my mental prayer, I put myself in the presence of God. And the very first thing he did was rebuke me for my rudeness, rebuke me for being, having a lack of discipline and tell me that I had to do a better job of protecting those that were given to me by God to take care of. So I was like, oh, this all checks out. Like these are all things that would come up in an examination of conscience that had not up until that point and they were not on the forefront of my mind. So I was like, this dude is strong. And then at the very last thing he said was, when you finish your Maximilian Colby project, things are going to change for you on a different level, on a spiritual level. Um, and I was like, all right, well, that I have no way of discerning that left or right. I was like, all right, just take that in, put it in the back of my mind. It doesn't really matter. So I go to my office immediately after that, and my assistant, Claire, is like, Gabe, you're never going to believe this. And I said, what? She's like, I just got an email from a priest named Father Jose Maria. So I was at a St. Jose Maria shrine. I got an email from a priest named Jose Maria that – They wanted me, my small YouTube channel, to do an interview for Tammy and Jordan Peterson and that Jordan Peterson was going to be in it. I didn't know much about them. I knew that Jordan was very influential and is influential. He's the only Canadian that I know other than Trudeau. I don't know the name of his wife, so I think they're the most popular couple in Canada. Um, And so I kind of let it go, and I talked to my assistant about it, and we were like, this could be big, this could be big. And then I questioned the priest about it. I was like, why me? You know, like I'm nobody. And he says, well, when the idea came up to let her give a testimonial and to do a really well-produced job, that night when I went to do my prayer, and he's a Franciscan of the Immaculate, so they're Uh. very big on the Virgin Mary. And he said, it was overwhelming in my heart that this had to go on Gabi after hours. And so he was a little bit reluctant and hesitant because you could get Bishop Barron to do the interview like he did with Shia LaBeouf. You could get EWTN. You could get any number of people, Michael Knowles, anybody um, that's prominent and has more viewers than I do. (laughs) And um, But that night, he says, I I didn't sleep the entire night. And then the second day, I didn't sleep the entire night. And the third day, I didn't sleep the entire night because I was being haunted by this conviction that it has to go on Gabby After Hours. And so internally, I'm like, well, thanks for the confidence. You're like resisting <laughs> Our Lady for three days in a row. It's like, I re- don't want to do it to Gabriel this bad that Our Lady no. has to harassed me well, for also, days. Also, they have their own YouTube channel and their own right. media apostolate. Right. They're Franciscans of the Immaculate. So why are you going to hand it over to some other guy? So the, on the third night, he said, fine, uh, fine. You get what you want. You, you do this. This is yours. So that was kind of like miracle number one. Miracle number two was that I don't know what the heck I was thinking, but my assistant was very insistent that she goes on this to do this interview She's like you don't know them I'm, I'm very good at interviewing uh, and it's true that some people I rub people the wrong way and so if it's going to go wrong I'm probably going to upset them <laughs> and so I was like yeah fine and, and I had no qualms about it I was like you go I'll, I'll stay and then so I was like oh man I'm really entrusting a very important project to my assistant who's never <laughs> done an interview on location by herself before uh, so, and also just the idea of traveling with her like it's just a girl opposite sex going to stay in you know different cities it just looks the optics are bad so I was like, yeah, this is probably God's will that she go by herself. Um, and then just before the filming, like like we're filming on Monday, Friday, my wife sends me a message and she says, you really should go to Canada. No kidding. I'm not kidding. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to go alone. She's like, take your son with you because he, he can't miss any days of school. And Bishop Lopes of the Ordinariate canceled school on Monday no the day of the kidding. filming because uh Dr. Katerna became Dr. Katurna so as to celebrate her getting her PhD they canceled school on Monday. And so literally within 48 hours I'm like all right, going to Canada. But even bigger than that, I spent all this money on tickets like the night before and I was like doing an inventory of what I need to film. And I was like, okay, I have, three, I have three main cameras, but this camera's not good for B-roll. I really need three B-roll cameras so I can be switching so Claire can have a camera getting an outside different angle because the, the schedule is really tight. He was going to be doing book signings. He was going to be giving a talk at this college. Um, so we had like 30 minutes to film B-roll and make, get several different shots. So I was getting ready and I was talking to Mary and I was like, blessed mother, if I'm going to be totally honest, you want me on this project, I obviously need to be there. If I'm going to be totally honest, I really need a, an extra camera for B-roll And then the second I said that prayer, I got a text message from a woman saying, Gabe, I love what you're doing. If you ever need anything for missionary activity, ask, and if I have the money, I'll give it to you. And I was like, I need (laughs) $2,300, and I need it by 2 p.m. Because I have to go to Houston Camera Exchange to buy a Sony ZVE-1 to match my other camera. (laughs) And she's like... I'll send you a check. I was like, there's no need. There's no time for sending me a check. Can you PayPal this money to me immediately? And so I sent her the link. M- I had the camera within an hour. You're joking. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And Lord, then
2: this is the-
6: I've seen what
3: you've done for, for Gabe, and I want that for <laughs> myself. Please. Please, Lord. Exactly.
6: I, need like, that. Like, I just need 1000 Just give me half. <laughs> oh, my
3: goodness. That is
2: hey, Mr. Castillo. I no. mean, it's just the. Dude, it gets crazier, though. Well, it- we're about to go to it- a break. To break and yes. so if you want to see how the madness gets only crazier yeah. from here, yeah, you had to stick with us because we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, more on the story. Plus, what did we actually learn from Tammy Peterson? We're going to talk about that as well coming up. And make sure you're on our email list so I can send you the actual video itself. You can always check it out at Galbi After Hours, but I will send it to you. If you're on our email list, go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll be right back right after this.
4: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I want a religion that is not so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says a religion that is not dogmatic is not a religion. A religion means something that commits a man to some doctrine about the universe. Anyone who believes anything is dogmatic. In fact, Chesterton says a teacher who is not dogmatic is not teaching anything. And if you think about it, a doctor who's not dogmatic is not who you want prescribing medicine or performing surgery. An auto mechanic who's not dogmatic is not going to be able to fix your carburetor. We want professionals to have specific training, but specific training means embracing very specific ideas. And yet we want a religion that is not dogmatic, as if standing before God is less important than repairing our car. Want more than a minute? Visit chesterton.org.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading.
4: Wouldn't it be great if
5: everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God, it's so good to be with you today. It's always good to be here with you. But you know who else is good to be here with? It's good to be here with Gabriel Castillo at Gabi After Hours. Check it out. Just look up Gabi After Hours on YouTube, and you can find... All sorts of great videos. And here's a challenge for you. I appear in like two or maybe three of the videos. I dare you to go dig through his videos and watch all of them until you find the one I'm in. And then send me a message saying you found me. I dare you. Go to Gobby After Hours and see if you can find me in some one of his videos. Uh, but good morning to you, Mr. Castillo. Thanks good morning, for sir. Us. Thanks for having
6: me on to share this incredible
2: story. Yes, it's absolutely incredible. We're Before we went to break, you were telling us about how you got on this journey yes. to interview Tammy Peterson yes. the wife of Jordan Peterson yes. and you were just telling us how you received this this PayPal the, yeah. this, at the last possible Dude, second last to minute. get the camera
6: you needed to go over there so that happened what next? So my son and I arrive in toronto and so the first thing i do is i blare i'm proud to be an american <laughs> with the windows rolled down real loud to make sure they knew who, who they were dealing with yeah, praise be to God. <laughs> when we arrived there i did not know that the filming would be at an opus dei center and so we filmed their b-roll in the presence of the relics of saint jose maria and they have a large like life-size mural of him so i was like dude jose maria man that my relics at saint teresa's jose maria father jose maria and jose maria is here to make, to like look over the filming but i don't know the craziness that's going to happen after that so we go and we set up all the cameras i make sure the lighting is right it was a good thing that i went because i i just i have had a history of doing like small business videos so i know what good lighting i know i just know, know things that my assistant simply does not know because it just takes years of experience and a firm will to like tell people no we're going to do it this way type of thing um and they were really shocked when they were like, "So, what's your company?" And I was like, "Well, I'm a youth minister in Sugarland, Texas." And they were like, <laughs> like, what? Like, Who got this guy? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure, I have experience in it, but I'm—I uh, just tried to like underplay it. Um, <laughs> so that night, we're at the hotel, and I get an email from the woman who's coordinating this Queenie that she heard from Jordan Peterson's security guard. That for whatever reason, no explanation, he wasn't going to be doing the interview. I have my own speculations only in that I have a lot of friends who love him and follow him that are on fire Catholics and a lot of people have listened to his content and it's strengthened their Catholic faith. I had never listened to his stuff really before other than a couple of YouTube clips like five-minute news things that I've seen that went viral. So he cancels. She's freaking out um, because she scheduled this. I kind of had a sense that it was going to be okay only because I saw the hand of Mary all throughout it. I just had a great, this is Mary's. Like, this is spiritual warfare. Um, You know, he was still going to be at the college to sign books and give his talk. So the morning of the interview comes, I film his wife, Tammy, incredible testimony. We'll get into her testimony in a second. Just, we'll get to the filming first. She films it. It's great. She goes off to talk to these college students and they're like, well, this is the time that Jordan should be filming. And what are we gonna do, like start tearing down? I was like, no, absolutely not. You go, you set up the cameras exactly how we planned. You switch the lighting over to this side. All the camera angles exactly change. We'll film the exact location. Two seconds later, I hear a voice. So uh, where are we doing this filming? And I'm like, oh my, it was very surreal. I'm I'm not starstruck at anybody, but he had a great presence about him. um, And it really struck me how confident he was. Like, so not an arrogant confidence, but a confidence that was so deeply convicted about his own beliefs that he didn't care who was in the room. He didn't care what I thought. He didn't care the Franciscans of the Immaculate were there because they were the ones who coordinated this with me. And he was like, what's with the robes, guys? Like he didn't – <laughs> he, he wasn't like, father, how are you? You know, like and being respectful. And he was just like – and the thing he – he just didn't care. So it was a miracle that he made it down because he wasn't planning on doing the filming. I wasn't there when it happened. My son was there. And from my understanding, he wasn't planning on doing it. He went down a wrong hallway or something, and my son and the lady who organized it, the lady just like was overcome with like a strength and was like, you're doing the filming. And he's like, I guess I'm doing the filming then. What, what are we talking about? Or I, so he sat down. We did the interview. He said a lot of Catholic things. A lot of people are like, oh, he's going to jump Catholic – jump the Catholic ship at any moment. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I think he's got a lot of uh, a, lot, a lot of ideas that are independent of what Catholic thought yeah, are for that sure. aren't just aren't just like they're not oh. surface level. Yeah, they're not surface level. They're deeply um, ingrained. So he said something very beautiful about the Blessed Mother that I did not include in the documentary just because it was off topic. Um, because I'm I'm following the story of Tammy Peterson, not his theological views. Mm-hmm. But uh, we asked him, so what are your thoughts about praying to the Blessed Mother? Because you're not Catholic, and he said that in the Virgin Mary, you have the perfect woman. And so, w- how does a man confront that? When a man falls in love with a woman, the real woman that he's falling in love with is the perfect woman in her—the Virgin That's Mary. That's Fulton Sheen. Yeah, so That's it's a beautiful thing. Rose's first love. And but to take it in context, he goes on to say, and the more a woman surrenders herself to this divine feminine, the, ah, so like yeah. so so, uh, there's there's things that are deeper that are not more like a consent of the will that. that I, I, I don't think he's in, I, he might the grace of god could give him the grace of conversion instantaneously no doubt grace is flowing into his life and, and he's got very catholic ideas all based on truth um they're just it's just not i don't think it's as close as some people hope it is right um but he's deeply convicted and i was really inspired after that to stop caring so much what other people think hmm. like he was he didn't care that this is a catholic show he knows that we don't believe divine feminine or whatever it's not part of the storyline so i just took it out but he was very confident and very convicted of it and he said so when a woman prays to mary uh, it make it makes her a better woman and it makes you know i i see nothing wrong in praying to mary and in fact i've seen some things in it that are quite miraculous if you were to ask me so he's like very con- he doesn't care that he's offending protestants he doesn't care that he's offending catholics and I admired that. And that is the one thing that I took away from that besides Tammy's miraculous story. So do you want to get into
2: Yeah. Well, let's go through the yeah. miraculous story from Tammy really quickly.
6: Right. So we don't want to
2: spend too much time. Cause right. I want
6: people to actually watch the video yeah,
2: itself. Yes. But the uh, so what what happened with her? Was so saying?
6: she had a very terrible cancer that was that it was very, very, very rare. It, it They only find it once it's progressed. Um, and. There was no cure for it. They, they, they were hopeless. She had 10 months to live, which is a title on the thumbnail, 10 months to live. And so she was forced to confront her own mortality and to th- examine her life the way she had been living it. And this woman, Queenie, who is a numerary for Opus Dei, uh, went to visit her at the hospital. They had kind of had some connection in the past, like at a book signing. They had known mutual people. So they're like, oh, let me get your contact just with Tammy. And Jordan, Jordan had researched Queenie the night before. So it was very providential from the beginning. So when Queenie introduced herself, he said, Queenie, you, I think I just read an article about yours, about the importance of family life and in Canada because she was semi-involved in politics. So they just had exchanged emails because of that coincidence. Um, and then when she found out that Tammy had a terminal illness and was not going to live, she went to visit her, bring her a rosary, bring her a picture of the Blessed Mother, and she would visit her every single day. Was
2: Tammy Catholic before no. No. no, so no,
6: she was raised Protestant was raised all Protestant. the way through her grandmother. Her great grandmother, which is like a couple generations removed, had been Polish Catholic, mm. but she had not been raised in Catholicism. And so Queenie prayed the rosary with her, taught her how to pray the rosary, came every single day to pray with her, and shared, just basically shared the gospel like we are all called to do, which is an incre- incredible witness on Queenie's part. But one of the things that began to happen is, as you know, when you pray the rosary, peace enters the soul. Grace enters the soul. And on one occasion, she told her husband, I believe it was after, you know, you get these inspirations when you pray the rosary. Our Lady speaks to you. She told her husband, because uh, he was really upset, you know, his, his wife's going to die. He doesn't have maybe like, you know, a couple weeks, months to live still. She said, I'm going to be healed on our 30th wedding anniversary. And you kind of like take that with a grain of salt. You got cancer brain. Right. You you're just you know, being hopeful. You're just being hopeful. You just say things. And so she was going in for all these exams. Queenie said, hey, let's start a novena to St. Jose Maria. On the fifth day of the novena, Tammy was confirmed to have been medically cured, miraculously cured from an ailment that nobody had survived up until that moment. Like this was like the first instance of somebody living through this very rare cancer. I'm not sure the name. Um, And so that so Jordan, when he's confronted with this information, is like, I don't know what to make of it. We had the best, we had the best surgeons. We had an amazing team. Is it possible that they could have done something to fix it? That, that's possible. That's the natural, most common explanation. But the fact that she prophesied that she would be healed on uh, in August, the anniversary of their wedding, their 30th wedding anniversary, that's the day that her healing happened. And he just doesn't know what to make about that. And for me, I almost fell out of my chair when she said that she was healed doing a novena to Saint Jose Maria, because Saint Jose Maria at our shrine in Sugarland, Texas, was the one who was communicating to me all these tr- deeper truths about myself. But in addition to that, that things were going to change after the Maximilian Colby documentary, and they have. This the the most viewed video I have ever made was on Lourdes, and I made it six years ago, and it has 1.6 million views. And Lourdes has been like a tent post in my spiritual life. Uh, as one of the titles of our lady that i love the most oh the i am the immaculate conception it's like the theological foundations of maximilian colby's theology and then the very next video after that is about saint jose maria and so in in our shrine in saint Teresa's, where i do a lot of my praying maximilian colby then saint jose maria videos let out maximilian colby and then a video that i didn't know was going to be about saint jose maria and uh the miraculous cure of uh tammy peterson which is gotten almost 2 million views in 6 days. Yeah, I checked it this morning and it was already at like 1.6. Yeah. And and you know from the YouTube uh, you, behind the scenes you, you can accurate. see better accurate yeah. information so it's more like 1.8 million already. Wow. Um so yeah, and it's just this I literally released this 7 days ago and it's been shared by Scott Hahn, Bishop Barron, Tammy Peterson, Jordan sent a message, uh private message saying great job, really incredible editing. Which I was like, blessed mother, you're the best. Not <laughs> not that I care what he thinks, but it's good to know that right. he felt that he was represented well. Mm-hmm. Like I I didn't take him out of context. I didn't try to make him look more Catholic than he was. I showed his vulnerabilities and like I highlighted his skepticism. Um, Pretty good for a youth minister from Sugarland. All <laughs> oh, Mary, dude. I mentioned to Rudy. I was like, I'm literally a dog. Anybody who knows me knows I am a man who needs work on the virtues, but I'm a dog and just doing the best i can to be following the voice of the master yeah so.
2: people will bring you up to me and they and i'm like yeah gabe is great the guy is super strange but man the yeah guy he's, loves he's extra, he
6: loves our lady i'm not gonna lie i've got some weird qualities <laughs> no but i'm like yeah, <laughs> but he loves
2: our lady and uh, that's something that uh, no matter what if i disagree with gabe about anything yeah. i'm
6: like i know that he's wanting to do the will yeah, of our I'm lady coming from a good spot mm-hmm. trying to do god's will just like we all are um but yeah i give all credit to praying the rosary faithfully Uh, which brings docility and allows grace to flood in um, and just having confidence in Mary. Because had we not set up for the interview, like we just were like, oh, he's not coming. He would have Mm shown up to an empty studio. We wouldn't have filmed because he had a tight schedule. But like that act of faith, but recognizing the hand of Mary in all things, that there's nothing is a coincidence. Um, And also the importance of mental prayer which is I've just been on a rant and a rave lately about really imagining using your mind to visualize the saints, Jesus, Mary, talk to them and allow them to speak back to you so that you can be open to doing things that you might not ordinarily be open to doing. That's very Ignatian of you. I just discovered it within the past three months. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately,
2: we're out of time. Maybe, Gabriel, you could stay for the after show. We'll talk more. Yeah, I I can stay. But we are going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Adam Bly from the spirit world will be joining us. So stick with us. We'll be right back with more. And remember calm, courage, and confidence. Calm, courage, and confidence. Keep those virtues in mind, and I promise you'll be great. We'll be right back
7: always hear from
1: uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong.
8: If you've been away
0: from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org
7: Contact us at standhalltoday.com.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the Catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion
0: from Guadalupe Radio Network. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal, clincher is we found our way to our, our parish, and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we had never been taught. wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be with you today. It's always good to be with you. You know, we just wrapped up an awesome conversation with Gabriel Castillo, and it was a, it was really great. You got to check it out, Gabi After Hours. And you're saying, oh, I don't know how to spell that. Well, it's easy. It's G A B I. He says Gabi. I always <laughs> said, I always my my little brother is also Gabriel. And so he's Gabriel Castillo. My little brother's Gabriel Fonseca. So we call him Gabby. And so I always said it, Gabby after hours. He was like, no, it's Gabby. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's, it's Gabriel. Really, it's,
6: really, it's really a bad name for anything. Let alone <laughs> social media. Because <Like, laughs> yeah, people will say Gabby, Gabby, <laughs> Gabby. All three don't sound good, even when pronounced properly, Oh, praise but I can't God. go back and change it now. <laughs> it's, it,
2: it's branded. It's permanent. Our yeah. lady chose it. It's my humility. It's very humility. But <laughs> joining us right now is Adam Bly. Good morning to you, Adam.
9: Good morning, Adrian. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Praise be to God. Too blessed to be stressed, as our dear friend would say. Uh, now, Adam, uh, what are your pl- before we jump into anything serious, what are your plans for Thanksgiving?
9: Well, I'm going to visit mom and, um, ordered some good food to be delivered to keep things low stress. I, I discovered that a few years ago and I think it's genius and, um, just going to have some family time.
2: Praise be to God. What are you thankful for?
9: Oh, so much. You know, every week, <clears throat> almost every week, I remember how thankful I am to number one, be alive, to be put here in a country that's so comfortable economically, and then really importantly, I'm thankful for having a job in the church all these years, and how you know God has really pro- provided for me. Um, so you know, being able to do work for Him gives me a sense of meaning and purpose, and I feel like I'm I'm doing what I was put here to do.
2: Amen, amen. You know, I've just picking up on that. I am very thankful for being able to work in ministry as well because I cannot imagine myself in a job where I couldn't just be like talking about our Lord 24/7 uh probably oh, I geez. probably would end up getting fired at some point for just like talking about things I shouldn't be talking about I feel um so praise be to God I'm very thankful for that opportunity um now before We'll move on from Thanksgiving. We could go and talk about that, this for the rest of the day, but we'll move on from Thanksgiving a little bit and so look at what is the topic for the spirit world this Saturday.
9: Well, we're going to um, basically start our journey thinking about Advent and moving in into the Advent season um, and really kind of dive deeply into, you know, not just Advent in terms of waiting for Christmas to get here, but what are the traditional purposes of advent you know we i think we have a strong sense of like well what's lent for you know it's about it's about uh you know these themes giving something up and you know getting self-control and i think with advent a lot of times it's such a busy time we kind of forget about the season and we just wait and so we're going to go on a deep dive the historical context of it uh what we can do with it to really profit spiritually this year uh and try to be very practical.
2: Now that's really awesome. I I I was actually been thinking a lot about advent recently about uh trying to make advent uh, take it seriously. Take it seriously because I think most of us because we live in the United States, it's very difficult. And I and I have this problem, I'm going to admit it right now. I'm going to admit it publicly. I love Christmas music and I love nativity scenes and I just want them up All year long, and I was uh, talking about this on uh, Twitter the other day. I was like, "I'm going to start listening to Christmas music on Thanksgiving, and nobody can stop me." Uh, But Adam, what say you? How do we actually take Advent seriously, and trying to balance that with the same at the same time of the whole culture is celebrating (laughs) is celebrating Christmas. So how do we celebrate Advent?
9: You know, my my first approach to this is to think about it on a personal level. So if we think about the liturgical year, yes, it's, it's telling the salvation story each year and kind of moving through that story, but I think for, in a sense, more importantly for us, it's telling our story of our encounter with Jesus and how Jesus is born into our lives. And that's the way I think it can be really profitably framed and used where we can look at, You know, the time of Advent, each year, you know, even if we're Christian, Catholic Christian, whatever, and we feel we have a relationship with Jesus, he can be born anew into our lives on a deeper level in different ways. As different seasons of our life unfold, we encounter Jesus in different ways when we're 60 versus when we're 16. And so each year to look at how is Jesus being born into my life, my understanding of God, my relationship with God, how is he entering my life anew in different ways this year? And I think that makes it more immediate uh, and personal and opens the door for that grace of where can I grow this year? You know, how how does he want me to grow? And, and I think that's a good way to approach it.
2: Now, one of my friends, he started this... Um I think it's called Saint Martin's Lent is he he told me about it and asked if I would do it with him. I told him I would and I kind of broke it already a little bit. But he kinda of made it with the stipulations because he's like, Okay, look, I know we're getting into Christmas season and everybody's gonna be having um cookies and ice cream and hot chocolate and it's all this all this good stuff. So we're gonna try to do this and we're gonna do abstinence, we're gonna do some one meal a day. But we're going to, you know, take a break for Thanksgiving. We're going to take a break for certain feasts and certain holidays throughout the season. And we're going to try to make it as penitential and traditional as possible while still trying to enjoy and rejoice in the Christmas festivities. And I thought that was a very good, good idea. So I'm trying to do that with him. And I'm going to restart myself because I kind of fell off the wagon. But here's another thing that people meditate on during the Advent season. And that is typically the four last things. So what say you, Adam, about the four last things, especially during the Advent season?
9: Well, yeah, the, you know, four last things um, is basically looking at the last things that we experience when we go to our judgment, when we finally leave this world. And keeping those in mind, that there, there is a judgment, there's purgatory, there's heaven, there's hell. Um, keeping these in mind isn't to be kind of sad and, you know, dour and always thinking about death, but is to say, you know, how can I always be ready? You know, the the thief that comes without warning. Scripture warns us many times. We don't know when the bride is, the bridegroom is coming. We don't know when our time of judgment is coming. So to always be ready, but um, keeping the last things in mind isn't about restricting ourselves and being miserable and saying, you know, I have to live this limited life, it actually opens the door to living a more full and complete life because when we really obey God's laws, which, you know, they're common sense things for a community to run well, a family to run well, your life to run well, when we do those things, it actually opens up more freedom because we're not shackled by addictions and indulgence and, you know, getting chained to sins that You know, they seem enjoyable, but there's such a price, and deeper and deeper. We get free of all these things when we keep the last things of life in view. It keeps us on point. You know, do I want to do this or go down this road? What if today is my day? And it's not to be negative again and focused on death, but it's to think in terms of eternity when we make decisions here in the world.
2: It's funny you say that, Adam, because... Uh, this morning, and I, I guess this is, I was gonna say coincidence, but I guess providential. I was brushing my teeth this morning, and I, as I was, I was just thinking because it's like it's like two thirty in the morning. I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm being, sitting there thinking, "Huh, I, you know, life is so short. Like, why don't I just like go to a monastery and lock myself away and pray for the rest of my life?" It wouldn't be that long. It'd only be a few decades. And then you have all of eternity. And I don't know why that thought just hit me right at this 2.30 in the morning as I'm brushing my teeth and I'm a little delirious in the morning from the lack of sleep. But uh, what do you think, um, Adam, whenever we meditate upon how eternity is so long and this life is so short, what is it all for?
9: Well, you know, there's a temptation there, and I think you alluded to it, to to make kind of decisions that are completely decoupled from this life. So, And I think that that can be an error. So in the example you gave, why don't I just, you know, tear everything down and give it all up and find a monastery that will take me and disappear? But we have to remember that God has put us here, and God has given us a ministry to do, and that is... A big part of our journey and when we go to our judgment it won't just be well you know how much did you avoid sin and just wait for eternity it's gonna be did you do what I put you here to do with the gift of life that I've given you and did you avoid sin in, in the process as much as you could and so you're here on the radio you've obviously been giving um, this platform this opportunity in this moment You have to use that well, as well as you can, where you are in your life. I have to use what I've been given to do as well as I can. It's not just to abandon things and say, well, nothing matters because, you know, I'll be in eternity. It actually matters very much because we're here to help as many other people get to heaven as possible. So there's a temptation, I think, when we get apocalyptic and you see this through history. Apocalyptic cults burn out very quickly because they only focus on the afterlife or they focus on the idea that the world's going to end in a moment. And that leads to just burning down your regular life and in the world here. And that's not what God wants us to do. That's clear from the scripture. So it, it's an interesting conversation uh, for sure to have because you know, we—it's basically you don't want to take extremes either way. You don't want to live only for the world, and you don't want to live only for eternity in this in that disordered sense of living only for eternity by abandoning the world.
2: Right, right, and being uh, abandoning the world—that's a very—it's a special vocation. It's something that uh, certain people are called to do—to be monks, to be hermits, these kind of things. Uh, they're real, real vocations, but it's not the. Uh, The standard is your average person is not uh, always called to that. I think the majority of us are called to to live our faith in the world, to try to uh, raise good Catholic families, to to go to our nine to five and and thank God for the graces we receive. Now, Adam, with the last minute we have with you, um, where can people stay in touch? Where can people find out more information and um, all that information?
9: Well, you know, we're we're blessed to have a, a radio show on Saturdays here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called the Spirit World. Uh it's eleven to twelve Eastern, ten to eleven central where you are. And, you know, God willing that'll that'll continue. Um, so there's, you know, some contact there and a lot of podcast recordings. I run a just a basic public information kind of website, religiousdemonology dot com, just information there. And um yeah, those, those are the two main outreaches, um, and then writing books. A lot of people don't want to read these days, but, you know, I've been <laughs> writing books to leave, to leave those behind when I go, uh, whenever God calls me home, hopefully. So, yeah, those are the ways.
2: Well, praise be to God. We have about 45 seconds with you, and I just remembered, I said I was going to ask you this uh, yesterday, The a, a, this completely different topic. If somebody touches something to a saint while they were still alive. Is that being a relic?
9: Mm, that's interesting. Um, technically, from the in terms of the formal church perspective, no, because the person isn't declared a saint until a significant period of time after they've died and their life has been studied and the miracles have been found. So they're not a, an official saint yet. Um, now, Those objects, in theory, like let's say their hairbrush they owned or anything in their home that they they owned and touched, later once they're declared a saint, those are considered second-class relics because it's something the saint owned. Um, So in that sense, you could retroactively say, well, you know, I, I have this whatever it is from their home that kind of gets recognized as a relic, but we don't know for sure. We can't say definitively that something is a relic until the church declares them a
2: saint. Hmm. Okay, well, there you go. Very interesting. Well, thank you very much, Adam. If anybody else would like to ask questions, you can always call in uh, 10 a.m. Central across the GRN with the Spirit. World. Well, God bless you. God love you, Adam.
9: God. God bless you, and God bless your listeners.
2: We're going to go into our Fear and Trembling game show. Call now, 877-757-9424. And that number, you can actually use it to call in to the Spirit World on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Central. 877-757-9424. Put it in your speed dial. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling
0: right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Haven't you honestly wondered why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline, 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church. 16th century, John Knox is influenced by Calvin and breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, "Quote: In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes." Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke Canon Law 331, which says about the Pope: By virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the Church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, "I'm taking my bat and ball and going home."
5: So many of us carry such heavy burdens. Come on,
0: babe.
5: It'll be fun.
10: It's just you and me.
5: Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit
8: CatholicsComeHome.org.
5: Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance, and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-
2: 9424. 877- 757- 9424. 877- 757- 9424. That's number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes, and you could be the winner. Can you believe it? You, a winner. Pretty amazing. Now, you may be asking, what is this? What are we playing? How does this work exactly? Well, I have news for you. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. The trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. Rudy's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence To win this week's prize.
3: Rudy, what could they win? Speaking of the coffee cup of divine providence, we are giving away the replica Ah. of the coffee (laughs) cup of divine providence. I thought for a second you were going to give away the real one. Now, you got to read between the lines here. Okay. There's a reason why we're doing this. Okay, Mm -hmm. There's going to come a time, Mm -hmm. read between the lines, foreshadowing, some might say, you're not going to be able to get this ah. anymore. In fact, it may be something completely different. What You won't be able to get anymore. So this week, we're giving away more of these replicas. We're going to give out one replica of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. We're going to sign it. You can choose if you want Taylor to uh, sign it or not. I mean, most of you guys don't even know who Taylor is. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll sign it for you. You could either put it on your shelf and remember us. Or you Mm. can drink from it, and scientific research has stated that a replica of the coffee cup of Providence makes your coffee taste 80% better. So if you're putting Folgers in there, it's going to be at least sight glass coffee.
2: Wow. Yeah, the the real coffee cup of divine providence actually increases the taste of your coffee by 100 fold. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just 80%. So I'm sorry, but it's pretty good. It's a pretty good. Um, trust the science. Uh, don't fact check us just trademark over the E. <laughs> just trust what we're saying. Um, don't fact check. Praise be to God. Now joining us right now is Lori. Good morning to
1: you, Lori. Good morning, Adrian.
2: Praise be to God. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, Lori from Houston, Texas. Hey, it's Lori. Lori, yesterday. Hey, we were just talking about it. Yeah, you. Rudy and I were just raving about your pie yesterday. Um,
3: he right. was like,
2: oh, do you think she's going to bring pie for Sherathon next
4: week?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Lori, I think uh, you yep. need to quit your job and start up a bakery. <laughs> and I, I guarantee your success. You're guaranteeing it. I think Perfect. so. It's really good.
1: Yes. Thank you. Well. I enjoy making it, and especially for people who appreciate it. Well,
3: there you go. There
2: you go. We appreciated it greatly. So we're looking forward to hopefully having some pie for the next share a uh, But, Lori, where yeah. are you off to this morning?
1: Um, I'm off to work, but to um, first coffee.
2: First coffee. And hopefully soon out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence, right?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I already have
2: one. Oh, she's trying to make a collection. Well, I want a here. set. She wants to set. <laughs> fine China. She's for like, when uh, the guests come over. Exactly. Exactly. She the, the, uh, got to well, get the, uh, the I, one I signed by everybody. I
1: didn't want to use that one. I've never used the one that I have. It's, uh, it sits in a place of pride. There you go. Something I actually want on a radio show.
2: <laughs> well, praise be to God, Lori. We love hearing your voice and we look forward to seeing you next time you come in. Um, but you are familiar with the game. You are a veteran. You That's know how to play. The question is, will you be able to, uh, out Fox Rudy. He's Rudy the Tricky. I don't
1: know, Rudy. It, your pie depends upon this. Mm.
2: It's true. He's wearing a wearing... solid blue with, what is that, red medallions? Is that what that is?
3: The, this is my uh, descent of the Holy Ghost uh, upon the Apostles and the Virgin Mary uh, oh. in the upper room tie. And it's got little flames on there. Uh, a blue field with, uh, what do they call these? Pa- uh, red paisleys. Paisleys. Oh, for those who are listening, they can get Ignatius uh, Ignatian with it and, uh, and envision this time. I would say close your eyes, but I don't want anybody to die, so don't <laughs> close your eyes. Close your eyes right now. No, don't do it.
2: Don't do it. <laughs> don't listen to Rudy uh, unless he's correct in the answers. All right, Lori, are you ready to play? You ready to jump into it? As ready as I'll ever be. All right, let's do it. Question number one for you, Rudy. Mm. The question on the board is what is the highest form of veneration that's given
3: to the blessed virgin mary alone. So you mentioned science just yes. a few minutes ago. Uh-huh. I did. And anyone who's taken any basic level of science knows that there's macro and micro levels oh, to anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. So micro levels are given to, you know, just your regular run of the mill saints. Oh, okay. Macro veneration is given to the Blessed Virgin Mary alone.
2: Oh, so you're saying it's macro-veneration. 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 Mm-hmm. Now, now that you say the word macro, I kind of want macaroni and cheese. Mm, um, for breakfast? Yeah, it's a little early for macaroni and cheese. It's a little. <laughs> early, I'm not going to lie. That would be kind of gross. Okay. But nonetheless, Lori, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is the highest form of veneration Given to the Blessed Mother alone. Rudy says it's macro veneration. That's not, has anything to do with macaroni and cheese. Uh, but what say you, Lori, <laughs> from Houston, Texas? I don't agree. You do not agree. All mm. right, let's see. Survey says <laughs> that is correct, Lori. You could not be tricked. Macro veneration. Um, you, know, you know what, also macros? I'm thinking of like the keys. Macro keys, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm also thinking of that. But anyway, we the correct answer is is hyperdulia. 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 So we give latria to Almighty God, adoration to God alone. Hyperdulia, the the veneration we give to the Blessed Virgin. Proto dulia, what we give to Saint Joseph, and then everybody else gets dulia. Just regular, regular Dulia. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You guys are just uh Sorry guys, we're all out. The only thing we citizens. have left is Dulia. So that's so all you get. Here you go. Here you get micro dulia. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> alright, alright, Laura. You ready for question number two? Yes. Alright, let's do it. Question number two, Rudy. The question on the board is What is the Association of Lay People organized for the purpose of piety? For example. The veneration of mary
3: hmm i would say that is the cdt private telegram group ah. you can join this this organization for you know organization of the purpose of piety mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay
2: i see what you're put I, i'm picking up what you're putting down. are you
3: i am you sure I am. Am. i'm
2: gonna have to join that group i I've, I'm going, to, I'm going to join that telegram group later today. All right. The question on the board, 15 seconds on the clock. What is the association of lay people organized for the purpose of piety? Uh, for example, the veneration of Mary. Now, Rudy says it's the CDT private telegram chat. Uh, what say you, Lori, from Houston?
1: I say no. You say Because me. I am a member of that chat. all right
2: let's see survey says that is in fact correct Lori. you trying to trick her over there (laughs) technically i mean i would say that our chat is dedicated to our lady but that's not what we're looking for the correct answer is a confraternity like the confraternity of the holy rosary Or the Confraternity of the the Angelic Warfare Confraternity.
3: Mm. Yeah, I love that one. That's one of my favorites. Or the Holy Face Devotion. The Holy Face. Or the Holy Name Devotion. Yeah, those are are very good. Those are two good ones right there. Now,
2: speaking of the Telegram chat, if people would like to join that, you can go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt, sign up for our email list, and we send a link in our email list on how to join the Telegram chat. And Rudy just made... Hilarious (laughs) stickers of our faces, and I'm like, dude. (laughs) You can use them for reactions. I feel like I'm a meme now.
3: So So three-step process. Go to grionline.com forward slash DDT. Okay, one. Sign up for the email list. Number two. And then you're going to get the link where you can sign up, or rather just just join uh, this Telegram chat. There you go. Three steps.
2: All right, Lori, are you ready for question number three? Yes. Let's do it. Question number three for you, Rudy. The question on the board is... Which apostle was married
3: and had daughters? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I should have a, a devotion to this saint because, you know, you're a he uh, understands what I'm a, going through right now. A dad mom or dad girl? A dad, dad mom? Dad, dad, <laughs> daughter? A girl dad. girl dad. Girl dad. There you go. Girl dad. I can say words. Yeah. Uh, that would be the apostle Philip. Philip? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Apostle Philip, he uh, and he was known to go out and preach to the Greeks. Oh, really? Yeah, it's all Greek to me. Yeah, I don't get it. All right, 15 seconds
2: on the clock, Lori. The question on the board is, which apostle was married and had daughters? Rudy said it was Philip. What say you, Lori?
1: Well, you stumped me, Rudy. I don't know, so uh, I guess I'll have to agree with you. Oh, she I has guess, to. I guess she I'll has have to. to. She
2: has no <laughs> choice, matter. She's,
1: her hands are bound. All
2: right, let's find out. Survey says that is correct.
1: <laughs> Going to go, Lori. Excellent. Well, Thanks, guys.
2: Praise be to God, Lori. Now, I do have to say, though, I'm pretty sure Peter also had a wife and daughters. Or maybe he had just one daughter. I think That's he just so had too. one daughter. And so I think that the trick I is, I think the tricky thing is daughters with an S ah. because Peter, I know for a fact he had a daughter, but I don't know if he had multiples. So that, I think that's the case. So anyway, nonetheless, Philip was the right answer. Um, I think Peter and Philip are the only ones that were married. I don't think any of the other ones are married. I got to go double check that though. But you did great, Lori. So how do you feel so far?
1: I feel great, thank you. I could probably go play the lottery and donate to uh, Catholic Thri- Drive Time. Hey, <laughs> that's what we
3: like to hear. Praise hey. be to God. Speaking of which, next week we have our Shareathon, and if you love Catholic Drive Time, if you're thankful for us, hey, keep us keep us in mind next week when we start our Shareathon on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, thanks for the excuse to plug that, Lori. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lori, we're going to put you on hold.
1: Calls. I have to plug it.
2: Amen. Thank you very much. We're going to put you on hold, Lori. God bless you. God love you, and have a blessed day.
1: God bless you, too, guys. I love you all. And that's going to do it for the radio side.
2: If you can join us for the after show, well, we're live stream, I think, is down, but we're recording it. So if you can always tune in in a couple hours, and you'll be able to watch it. So tune in. You'll be able to see more. We're going to talk to Gabriel Castillo. We're going to talk about the presentation of Our Lady, talk about mental prayer. Uh, Maybe go on a couple tangents. We'll see. It'll be a good time. So we'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. But if not, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God love you.
1: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
5: The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi
2: in Corpus Christi, Texas.
11: Today's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Network, our online viewers, and for those here present. Emmanuel.
8: Let Mary your praises we sing.
12: Who reign
8: in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria. Ave, Ave. Maria.
11: in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all and with your spirit. brothers and sisters let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries I confess to Almighty God
12: Give he song here song Christ song he song
11: Let us pray. As we venerate the glorious memory of the most holy Virgin Mary, grant we pray, O Lord, through her intercession, that we too may merit to receive from the fullness of your grace through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever.
10: A reading from the second book of Maccabees. Eleazar, one of the foremost scribes, a man of advanced age and noble appearance, was being forced to open his mouth to eat pork. But preferring a glorious death to a life of defilement, he spat out the meat and went forward of his own accord to the instrument of torture as people ought to do who have the courage to reject the food which it is unlawful to taste even for love of life. Those in charge of that unlawful ritual meal took the man's aside privately because of their long acquaintance with him and urged him to bring meat of his own providing such as he could legitimately eat and to pretend to be eating some of the meat of the sacrifice prescribed by the king. In this way he would escape the death penalty and be treated kindly because of their old friendship with him. But Eleazar made up his mind in a noble manner, worthy of his years, the dignity of his advanced age, the merited distinction of his gray hair, and of the admirable life he had lived from childhood. And so he declared that, above all, he would be loyal to the holy laws given by God. He told them to send him at once to the abode of the dead, explaining, At our age, it would be unbecoming to make such a pretense. Many young people would think the 99-year-old Eleazar had gone over to an alien religion. Should I thus pretend for the sake of a brief moment of life, they would be led astray by me, while I would bring shame and dishonor on my old age. Even if, for the time being, I avoid the punishment of men, I shall never, whether alive or dead, escape the hands of the Almighty. Therefore, by manfully giving up my life now, I will prove myself worthy of my old age, and I will leave to the young a noble example of how to die willingly and generously for the revered and holy laws. Eleazar spoke thus and went immediately to the instrument of torture. Those who shortly before had been kindly disposed now became hostile toward him because what he had said seemed to them utter madness. When he was about to die under the blows, he groaned and said, the Lord in his holy knowledge knows full well that although I could have escaped death, I am not only enduring terrible pain in my body from this scourging, but also suffering it with joy in my soul because of my devotion to him. This is how he died, leaving in his death a motto of courage and an unforgettable example of virtue, not only for the young, but for the whole nation. The Word of the Lord. The Lord upholds me. The Lord upholds me. O Lord, how many are my adversaries. Many rise up against me. Many are saying of me, There is no salvation for him in God. The Lord, the Lord upholds, upholds me. me. But you, O Lord, are my shield, my glory you lift up my head. When I call out to the Lord, he answers me from his holy mountain. The, the Lord, Lord upholds me. me. When I lie down in sleep, I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I fear not the myriads of people arrayed against me on every side. The, the Lord, Lord upholds, upholds me. me. Alleluia.
12: Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Alleluia, alleluia,
5: alleluia
12: God loved us and sent His Son, and as expiation for our sins, Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
11: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord The story of Zacchaeus in the Gospel is a beautiful story which offers a kind of paradigm for conversion and metanoia of turning back to the Lord. But first, something about Zacchaeus as a tax collector. Remember growing up as a kid, growing up Catholic, you always hear and know that tax collectors were not very well liked, and you kind of take that for granted. But I remember when watching the show The Chosen and the way they portrayed Matthew as a tax collector, they really did a wonderful job of illustrating why these tax collectors were so loathed and despised. Of course, we know Israel was occupied by a foreign power, the Roman Empire. And so the tax collectors were essentially Jews who were working for traitors. They were or not for traitors, sorry, they were working for the oppressor. And as a result, they were traitors, and not only were they working for the oppressor, but they were profiting greatly from doing so. And so it's not surprising we can imagine how loath these tax collectors, yet alone a chief tax collector like Zacchaeus, must have been. They were nothing short of traitors working for a foreign power to make a killing off of the backs of their own countrymen. Not a very popular profession. In this context, we can see Zacchaeus's conversion. In the first place, it's clear that Zacchaeus must know something is really missing in his life. He is a very wealthy man. All of that is squared away regarding material possessions. But Zacchaeus knows that there's something missing in his life, and he is desiring for something much, much more than what he already possesses. Now, on account of this desire and this idea to go and meet Jesus, Zacchaeus is not afraid to be bold and courageous, and even, we can say, to make a spectacle of himself. You can imagine this grown man climbing up on a tree to be able to try and just catch a glimpse of Jesus' passing by to try to catch the Lord's attention. It really is an incredible stroke of boldness and a willingness of Zacchaeus to kind of humble himself and even make a spectacle of himself, which really manifests in a way the greatness of his desire to be able to encounter Jesus. What comes next, of course, is Jesus' response or God's response. And here we can marvel at the magnanimity of the Lord's mercy and love. Zacchaeus is the lowest of the low as far as Israel goes, and yet Jesus is immediately willing to restore him to the dignity which he is called to in his relationship with God. He doesn't wait, he doesn't hesitate. He says, Zacchaeus, today I must come to reside at your house house. This for us is a constant sign of hope and a reminder that whatever it is we're going through in our life, and even if we feel like we sometimes distance ourselves from God by sin or by different decisions that we take, God is always standing at the ready to say, now in this moment I am always ready to offer my mercy, my unconditional love and forgiveness to the one who is ready to receive it. And equally important is the fact that in response to Jesus' benevolence and magnanimity of his mercy, Zacchaeus is ready to make a change, and his willingness to make restoration of what he's taken and to repay it four times over, it is a mark, too, and a reminder to us that the call for conversion, the desire for conversion, the desire for God's mercy it always must be accompanied with the willingness to do something different and to make a change. And how often it is sometimes for we people that we can get stuck in sin and we want God's forgiveness, we want want his mercy, but we forget the fact it means making a dramatic change in what we're doing. It means changing the circumstance of how we're living or whatever it may be. But Zacchaeus shows this. He knows that in reply to God's mercy and the gift of his grace that he too must be willing to make a change and change things dramatically. And because he is this metanoia, this turning back to the Lord, this conversion process is complete. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward and in a special way on the presentation of Mary, let us ask through our Blessed Mother's intercession that we and all people would constantly be open to converting and changing our lives to grow in holiness, to receive God's mercy, always willing to make the changes that the Lord desires, to move from sin and to grow toward holiness. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, For their physical and spiritual needs we pray to the lord Lord, we pray for government and civic leaders that they would be inspired to enact just laws that promote and safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase and laws which would never transgress the natural law we pray to the lord We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For our family, friends, benefactors, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We pray for the grace of conversion away from sin and toward holiness for all people we pray to the lord Lord, for those intentions that we hold in our heart we pray to the lord Lord, merciful father we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through christ our lord
8: Daily sing to Mary, sing my soul her praises to. All her feast, her actions honor with a heart's devotion true. Lost in wandering contemplation, be her Majesty confessed. Call her mother, call her virgin, Gracious mother, virgin blessed. She is mighty in her pleading, Tender in her loving care, Ever watchful understanding, All our sorrows she will share. Gifts of heaven she has given, Noble lady to our race. She the queen who decks her subjects With the light of God's own grace.
11: Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord. Receive, O Lord, we ask the prayers of your people with the sacrificial offerings that through the intercession of Blessed Mary, the mother of your Son, no petition may go unanswered, no request be made in vain through Christ our Lord.
12: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. He Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, dry and dry. it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, and to praise, bless, and glorify your name on the feast day of the blessed ever-Virgin Mary. For by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit she conceived her only begotten Son, and without losing the glory of virginity brought forth into the world the eternal light. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabao Pleni sunt pleni et Terra Gloria Tua Hosanna in excelsis Benedictus qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis.
11: You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, yes we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power of the glory and our Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the
12: sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata Miserere nobis, agnus dehi, quittolis mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold
11: the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
10: For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio,
8: O Lord, I am not worthy that Thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive the have of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, Or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, Unworthy though I be, Prepare me to receive thee, AND TRUST THE WORD TO ME. INCREASE MY FAITH, DEAR JESUS, IN THY REAL PRESENCE HERE, AND MAKE ME FEEL MOST DEEPLY THAT THOU TO ME ART NEAR. My hope in Thee now strengthen, O Savior of my soul. Lest by temptation blinded I turn from my true goal.
11: Let us pray. As we receive this heavenly sacrament, we beseech, O Lord, your mercy, that we who rejoice in commemorating the Blessed Virgin Mary may, by imitating her, serve worthily the mystery of our redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.
8: Thanks be to God. Hail Mary. full of grace the Lord is with you blessed are you among women and blessed is the your womb Jesus Holy Mary Mother of God Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of death. Amen.
1: St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle.
11: Celebrating 2,000 years of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.